0: I have um, thought about this and looked at this at many different directions. And, you know, with my family, you know, we, we would love to be able to save enough money for my daughter to go to Duke University um, mm-hmm. and pay for the whole thing. But the reality of it is, honestly, I, I did the numbers when my daughter was born, and we'd have to save about $1,200 a month <sighs> every month from uh, birth to age 18, um, to cover the cost of, of Duke or a private university, which is about sixty thousand dollars room and board.
1: <sighs> wow. Yeah. Today we're talking about the best ways to save now for your child's education. Welcome to Simplify and Enjoy, the podcast and community focused on helping families have less stress and more options through minimalism and financial independence. I'm your host, El Martinez. This podcast is sponsored by Coastal Credit Union. Coastal's mission is to help you live a better life by offering you a better way to bank. Find out how at bankbetter.org. With student loans seeming to be such a weight on many college grads, I think parents who have kids that are considering college, trade school, or vocational schools are trying to find ways to ease the burden. And typically the advice is to save ahead but it can be real challenging with the prices rising so fast. And then you're also juggling your current family expenses and saving up for other goals, including your own retirement. But there are ways that you can help your kids out while not putting your own finances in jeopardy. Today, I'm speaking with Drew Snyder. He's a director in financial planning at Coastal Wealth Management, and he's also a parent of a 12-year-old daughter. So yes, he's been thinking about this as well and he's looking at this from both perspectives. In this episode, we're gonna get into the rising cost of college and why it's harder for kids to work through school, what options you have to save and invest, and how you can start saving now. Let's begin. When my husband and I went to college, we received a combination of scholarships and financial aid, but they didn't cover everything. So we took on some student loan and both my husband and I worked through college. Going to school full-time and working part-time was a bit of a challenge with time management, but it wasn't impossible. And actually looking back, we both appreciate it. It made us be more disciplined with our time and also our priorities. Now, it's almost given that college keeps getting more expensive, but you may not be aware of how expensive it can be at some colleges.
0: We're hearing a lot of parents, especially um, I would say parents in their 40s and 50s over the past 10 years or so who claimed that they didn't need to save for their kid's college because they paid for their own way through. And, um, and what I don't think people who have that mindset have realized is that uh, the cost of college has gone up so much more than what a kid can earn to pay his or her way through college that it's almost impossible to do that anymore. Just as an example. So what I did is I, um, I went ahead and and looked up some information on UNC Chapel Hill. And I found that from 1986 to 2016, the cost of tuition went up 8.15%. And the minimum wage, which is what, you know, someone could expect to earn, If they're a college student, only went up two point six percent. Whoa! So what that means is, if you were working in nineteen eighty six, you could have worked thirty four hours a week and paid tuition and room and board, and pay for college and your and your you know your food and housing. In twenty sixteen, in order to pay for tuition and your room and board, you would have to work. 52 hours a week.
1: Okay. Working 52 hours a week isn't good for anybody, especially if you're going to be studying full-time for a trade or getting a college degree. But I do think that this brings up a good point. Do you know the cost of going to college right now with the good schools or solid schools in your area? You can run a what-if scenario. What if they don't have scholarship or financial aid money to cover the costs? How much would they have to work if they wanted to graduate debt-free or close to debt-free? If you find that the number is enormous, then there are several options that you can look at. One being maybe switching schools or directing their attention to a school that is affordable and that can help them still get whatever training or degree that they're looking for. Just being aware of the costs can have a tremendous impact. You can begin having these conversations with your kids. That way they understand what options they have ahead of them and can prepare accordingly. Remember, we want them to not only get the training that they're going to get at trade school or in college, but we also want to make them financially savvy. Speaking of finances, there's another concern that Drew has with how parents are planning to pay for college.
0: And then on the other side of that is a lot of parents choose to borrow money for college or a lot of people take um, uh, 401k loans or home equity loans to pay for college and, and not save for college. And so the other calculation I did, I wanted to find out what, what would it cost your out-of-pocket cost um, if you started saving for 10 years versus waiting and then just borrowing money. And the numbers that I came up with, and, um, and this is just saving for $25,000, so one year of college. Mm. If you saved $152 a month for 10 years and got a 6% rate of return, you would have $25,000 at the end of that 10 year period. You're out of pocket what you actually invested was $18,240. Okay. Now let's wait and take this other couple who decides they don't wanna save, they're gonna go to Disney World instead, and then it's time for their child to go to college, it's $25,000, so they're gonna borrow that, and they're gonna pay it back over 10 years and pay 6% interest. Their out-of-pocket cost is $33,360. So basically, it costs someone about $15,000 more to wait and borrow to pay for it.
1: So you might be listening to this and thinking, okay, we need to start saving for college, but what's the best option for us? Drew says that there are three key things to consider to make sure you're getting the best option for you and your family.
0: When you think about where you're going to save for your kid's college, you kind of have three things in mind. One is What are the tax issues or benefits of different accounts? The second is who's the owner? Who's the owner of that account? Is it the child or the parent? Um, And the third thing you want to consider is um, the investment choices that you're going to have within that account.
1: And the two popular options for parents with saving for college are 529 plans and Coverdell education savings accounts.
0: And uh, when you look at the 529 plan and the Coverdell Education Savings Account, they both have great tax advantages. Um, You can invest in uh, investments within those accounts. They grow tax-deferred. And then when you take them out for college expenses, they come out tax-free. So all the earnings that you've made over the years, you don't ever pay taxes on those if they're used for qualified college expenses. So there's some very nice benefits there. Yeah. The catch is, you know, the IRS doesn't give away things for free. <laughs> so the catch is, if you don't use it for college expenses, um, then there is a ten percent penalty on withdrawals from the account that are not used for that purpose.
1: And while they're both solid plans that you can use to save for your kids' college or education fund, there are some big differences you need to know about.
0: The truth is, most people are saving to the five twenty nine plan these mm-hmm. days, and part of the reason for that is um, there's virtually no limit on how much you can invest in there and how much you can contribute. The truth is there are some limits, and you should talk to your financial advisor about that, but they're, mm-hmm. they're uh, limited by the gift tax rules, which is pretty high. So you can put a lot of money in that. The Coverdell account is capped at $2,000 per year for contributions. Okay. So that alone, I think, keeps some people from doing it. In the, uh, or using the Coverdell account. Mm-hmm. The other issue with the Coverdell account is your income has to fall within certain um, or under certain limits for you to okay. be able to use that account. Um, and, uh, and that can keep people from doing it. Just for your information out there, it's uh, for a joint uh, couple who files jointly. Um, there's a phase-out range between 190 and $220,000 of income. And if you're single, it's 95000 to $110,000 of income. Mm-hmm. So the point there is, if you're over one hundred and ninety as a joint filer or as a couple, then you're going to be phased out and potentially can't even contribute the 2000 to that.
1: And if you decide to open and use a 529 account to save, there are some things you need to be aware of.
0: 529 plans are established by state. Each state has their own plan and uh, they choose who the investment company is that's going to run the investments within their plan. Um, So as an individual deciding which plan to use, uh, a couple things you need to think about are, one, do you get any tax advantages from using your state's plan? Here in North Carolina, we used to have a tax advantage. We would get... um, Uh, a tax deduction, or a credit actually, on our state taxes for contributions. That ended several years ago. So if you're a North Carolina resident, there really isn't an advantage from a tax standpoint to use the North Carolina plan. Um, Most states allow out-of-state residents to use their plans, and so that really frees an individual up to pick uh, which state's plan they want to work with. I think a lot of people choose based on the investment choices and who the um, investment manager is. Mm-hmm. Uh, through Coastal, we have access to many different plans across the country. I personally use the Virginia plan uh, that uses American funds as the investment company. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the flexibility of the investment choices. Uh, performance has been good. Um, ease of service. Uh, they have a great online um uh, portal, mm-hmm. uh, to view accounts, add money to it. It's excellent. But I've also used the North Carolina plan back when we got a tax credit for our contributions. Um, they're mostly Vanguard funds, which I think a lot of listeners will probably be familiar with, um, which are low cost. But I'll be honest with you, there aren't as many choices through the North Carolina plan. Okay. Um, so, but it's up to the individual to uh, do their research to find the plan that's, that's right for them.
1: And you might feel intimidated by the numbers and think, oh, my goodness, this is way too much that we have to save. But what we're trying to do is ease the burden. And so by saving now, you're going to be doing that, even if it's a smaller amount than what you planned or had hoped for.
0: Yeah. Um, and I've, I've talked to a lot of parents about this. You can. I, the first thing to do is just mm-hmm. as, a, as a couple, just to start saving 25 or $50 a month, Um If you start saving $25 or $50 a month when your child is born, you'll be shocked at how much money you can accumulate um, by the time they're 17, 18 years old. Yeah. In addition to doing it yourself, um, I've had some families do a fun idea. We're all familiar with getting a match on our retirement account at work. Mm -hmm. Uh, Talk to a grandparent and see if they would match your contributions so if you put in $50, maybe they'll put in $50 because a lot of grandparents want to help, mm-hmm. but they also think, Hey, I put, I put you through college. I don't need to put your, my grandchild through college <laughs> also, um, but they want to help. So if, if they see that the parent is saving, they'll, the, then a lot of grandparents will also contribute to those accounts. Um, you can talk to the grandparents also about, instead of just getting, Christmas presents or birthday presents, Mm -hmm. um, you know, add money to to a uh, 529 plan for them.
1: And FinTech's also getting into this. There are options that makes it easier for you to involve grandparents or friends with college savings. One company, College Backer, allows you to kind of crowdsource the savings. And this can be a great option because you probably do have family and friends that want to help out and give a gift. And giving this gift of helping out with education is something that can have a huge impact. And they don't have to contribute much. It can be smaller amounts like $20, $25, but that goes into savings. And then later on, when your kid needs it, they have that money available. So I'm gonna include a link in the show notes so that you can look at this option and see if it's right for you. And if you're parents of older kids and they're more closer to the college age and you're looking for ways to save and keep expenses manageable, Drew had some extra tips. The first one he and I discuss was consider going to a community college and then transferring for the four year route. And my husband and I did this. We went to school in Virginia and they have a great system and program that makes the transition easy. We got our two-year degree, actually no debt for the first two years, got paid because of the way the financial aid worked out to attend school, and then a lot of the same professors that we attended with in community college were there at the four-year university. So check that out, see if that's a good option for you in your area, in your state, and talk it over as a family. The second tip he offered was about financial aid and how it's calculated.
0: What's important to know is, as I said before, is how's the money invested? Mm-hmm. What are the tax implications of those investments? And then um, who, who's the owner? Then that's going to become important when you're fi- uh, filing for financial aid. Mm-hmm. Because parent assets, assets owned by parents, um are more favorably looked at in the financial aid process than assets owned by a child. So if these crowdsourcing accounts title the child as the owner, then okay. it's gonna have um, a bigger impact on financial aid. Um, so that's, that's what I would just encourage people to understand. Mm-hmm. And, and on that uh, topic, grandparents are perfect places to invest money because they are not considered at all in the financial aid application process. if 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 a grandparent opens up a 529 plan and names the grandchild as beneficiary, when the parent then goes to file for financial aid, that asset is not part of the application. If the Uh parent opens the 529 plan, then it is viewed as a parent asset. And a portion of that is considered in the financial aid process.
1: I hope these tips make college more affordable for you and your family. Special thanks to Drew for being part of the show. Listen, if you guys want a professional, To help guide you with saving for your child's education, along with your other goals, and you live here in the Triangle area of North Carolina, you should definitely check out Coastal's Wealth Management Team. Don't worry, I'll have links in the show notes so you can find them, as well as links to resources that we mentioned during our chat. You just have to head over to simplifyandenjoy.com. Next week, we're going to be talking about another huge expense for many families, buying a house. So if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed. You don't want to miss out on that episode. We're on iTunes and whatever podcast app you prefer. Music from this episode is from Lee Rosevere and Music for Makers. I really appreciate your support. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions about today's episode or something else, please join our free and private Facebook group, Thriving Families. We're about helping each other out with our big goals, and we'd love to see you there. I hope you have a wonderful week. Take care.